Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Hello everyone and welcome back to Gallagher Shots. My name's Andy and surprise, surprise, we're talking about takeovers once again. Not only because it's the only thing to talk about for Newcastle, but it's probably the only thing to talk about full stop. Just at this time, um, we're not just talking about Newcastle, we're actually joined by a Man City fan because um, I think they're probably as close to the position, well, they were as close to the position that we're in now um, in terms of a takeover, sort of coming out of nowhere, potentially changing the whole club from top to bottom. Um, joining us is Howard Hockin, who's a Man City fan and podcaster. Howard, thanks for coming on. Uh, pleasure. Uh, looking forward to this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to talk about something, isn't it? Yeah, um, well, it's nice to it's nice to, to watch another fan base about, so I hope you're about to go through what we have, because that really excites me, to be honest, as a City fan. So. Yeah, well, if it excites you, imagine how we're feeling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although, to be fair, excitement isn't isn't the word at the minute, because I've just said to you before we started recording there, takeover's been at the same stage for two or three weeks, so we're all suddenly yeah. pessimistic. We were all talking about signing Mbappe, and now we're worried. <laughs> we're going to be watching <laughs> Steve Bruce football for another season. But anyway, um, I think the best way to probably discuss this, reason got you on really is because I think, you know, not many people know about City pre-Money and pre-Rabinio and things like that. And I thought it would just be interesting to get a City City's fan take on your takeover and the impact it's had and how we can maybe relate that to Newcastle. So should we just start by talking a little bit about City before the sort of um, Abu Dhabi money came became involved? What were you like as a team? Well, the, the crazy thing, well, up and down of <laughs> would not surprise anyone. So obviously now the takeover was 2008, so on September the 1st, I think, or whenever transfer deadline day was. So 99 was our city's lowest ebb when we were in the third tier of uh, English football, uh, whatever it was called in those days, probably Division 2. I think it was Division 2, yeah. Yeah, uh, got through Gillingham in the playoffs, which, you know, at the time was the greatest. The Dickov goal was the last-minute equaliser was the one of the greatest goal celebrations and moments as a fan, even if it was in the third tier. And that was in the week... 
United were winning the treble and, you know, including the Champions League. So you could see how important it was we didn't stay in that league. Uh, Joe Will took us up twice, then we went back down. Kevin Keegan came in and we had that 99-point uh, season in the Championship, which is still one of the most enjoyable seasons I've had as a football fan. Uh, he kept us in the Premier League. We had the dire, <laughs> dour Stuart Pearce two years where... Nothing much happened, to be honest. But Keegan had kind of spent what little money we had. We'd always been in financial trouble. So we had no money. He kept us up. And then the year before the takeover was the craziest year of all. Because that was Svengo and Ericsson as manager. Thaksin Shinawatra, who we knew nothing about, promised loads of money. Uh, put on a free curry for all City fans in Albert Square. Which, oh, perfect. Yeah, and sang, and sang songs from the balcony of the town hall. It's just <laughs> weird, bizarre, surreal times. Uh, and we had quite good... You know, Alano came in and, I mean, we had some... Quite a fun side. You know, we had like... It wasn't the greatest side. We struggled for goals. But during that year, we suddenly found out facts in Shinawatra's past... This was pre-Twitter. It was pre... All you had was on the internet, really. It was, you know, message boards. Uh, and so it soon came, you know, came out that he'd been doing up to some uh, shooting dead drug dealers in Thailand, and it wasn't good for City's image. So <laughs> within one year, we were desperate to get rid of him by the end of that season. Uh, so he was, only just come in for that season? And yeah, so he was only here... Off. Yeah, one year. He's basically smoking mirrors, Shinawatra. He didn't have the money. Uh, he, he'd often ring up Ericsson and tell him how who to pick. You know, he's a bit of a weirdo, let's be honest, to power control for probably thought it'd be good for his ego. Uh, but he had a, a past as well, a past as Prime Minister of of Thailand that wasn't good for the club's image. So during the summer he was still there, but there was news that the money had run out, he he got rid of uh Svengo and Ericsson after a tour of Thailand after the season ended. And yeah, it was all it was uh, very much up in the air at that point. So the difference was that we knew nothing about our takeover. So Yeah, well, I was going to say, so Mark Hughes was put in at that point, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but prior to that, for all intents and purposes, you weren't a successful club. I know you had, in the sort of distant past, in the sort of same years where you were getting decent success, you were quite a good side. I think you've won cups and things like that but you were nowhere near top of the table where you weren't challenging weren't in Europe I presume at that point no well, well we had got into basically under Pierce Stuart uh, Robert Fowler missed the last minute penalty that would have got us in and I think we'd been in once under the fair play rules and this is Europa League obviously so no we'd not been close to the Champions League uh, but we had had uh, the odd dalliance with uh, with European football but just you know it didn't look we did, weren't really in the position to to be challengers really for anything we we're mid-table but I think we also knew there wasn't really we're spending money we didn't have prior to our takeover so what we didn't know at the time we've learned since is that it was you know actually was you know, really needed to sell or we were very close under Pierce uh, and Ericsson I imagine to administration Wow, uh, but, but the thing is, we didn't know it at the time. Uh, we were just, yeah, just spend, we weren't spending huge amounts. It's not like a Leeds United story. We were just spending money that wasn't really there. So debt just after debt. And we were That's... badly run. You know, just as you would know from the last tour, yeah, we were mm. badly run. We'd have, you know, we had Swales before that. We'd sold off 
bits of the, you know, sell off the club shop to someone. It was just crazy. You know, just really amateur things. We'd build a stand, an edge of a stand rather than buy a player. And there was just crazy money spent on players and just living beyond our means generally for a long time, yeah. It, I would say that's almost the opposite problem of Newcastle because whereas you're spending money you didn't have, we're not spending money we do have. <laughs> because yeah. we know Mike Ashley is one of you know, he's one of the wealthiest people in the country. We are actually ran really well as a business, but we're not ran well as a football club. And obviously that's where the the disconnect has been for Newcastle United and the fans is that we're no longer a football club. We are just a branch of Sports Direct and one of the things we do to advertise Sports Direct is play Premier League football. That's yeah. basically the way it is at the minute. So it's interesting, really. It's almost like Newcastle under my clash. You've always had the foundation to go on and do bigger things because we've always hung around. We've had opportunities where we could have really pushed on and done something great. So, for example, the Pardew season where we kind of fluked fifth, really. But at, at times in that season, we had an incredible team where we had Barsi, say, Ben Arthur, Kabai, Teote, and then we got into the Europa League. And that was the, yeah. that was the first time where we could have gone, right, do you know what? We can actually invest, be a decent top seven side. But obviously, we just signed Vernon and Eater, and that was it. Gave Alan Pardew an eight-year contract. And then the second time was having Rafa Benitez in charge, getting us back up to the Premier League. And you think, right, here's another opportunity we've got to actually build on a solid foundation and go and do great things. But, you know, again, no, it's Steve Bruce. So yeah. that that's where we're at prior to the takeover. It's been talked about to death, but we're just a football club who's completely lost its sense of being a football club. And it is mm. just a commercial entity. I mean, what, what do you think of, you must, looking at it from the outside in, you must be able to tell that we're desperate for a new owner yeah I did I don't know who which journalist top take I mean it's just stating the obvious really he said there seems to be a desperation from you know fans who have not had success for the more likely to turn a blind eye to the you know to their owners past or present mm-hmm. if they're desperate yeah. for success well obviously of course they are yeah I mean I'd be a, it's not it's nowhere great nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed about or deny really we were desperate in 2008 and you know now, as a City fan, having seen what I've seen for 12 years, we'd probably be a bit more stringent if, if you know, Sheikh Mansour wanted to sell up tomorrow, we'd be a bit more stringent about who came in because we can afford to be. We're in a position of power as fans and we've seen lots of success. But when you've had so much false hope for decade after decade after decade, of course, you're going to accept a bit of a, a lower bar. So, yeah, I mean... We'll, we'll go into it, obviously, no doubt, but it's it's not up to you to make the excuses anyway, as I'm sure you've been saying online a lot of yeah. the time. Well, we may, uh, we may as well talk about it since we've touched on it now. Yeah. Obviously, Newcastle's alleged new owners is basically the Saudi royal family, and for all intents and purposes, they're not nice people. Mm-hmm. Um, I presume you had a little bit of this when your owners came in, because obviously that part of the world is just sort of dredged in corruption violence whatever um when that takeover happened in 2008 was there a lot of talk around the morals of these new owners because it's all everyone seems to be talking about with newcastle at the moment no it was a different world then because well firstly we found i found out about it on a message board about 1 p.m on the day it happened so there was no lead up for city fans it happened how it was kept so quiet i don't know but then it's a different world then so there was no twitter there's no social media there was no arguing with journalists online so yeah i found we found out by five o'clock it, i think sky sports picked it up sky sports news and it was done and by the end of the day we signed rubinio 
that was all within nine hours. So, so your takeover was on deadline day, wasn't it? Yeah, it, if it I was recall. on deadline. I think we were lucky it had been moved to a Monday deadline day because the 1st of September was a Sunday or something. They liked to have it on a weekday. Uh, so I woke up that morning wondering if we could get someone like Mido on loan or something. like You know, we needed a striker on loan, someone cheap or do a job. You know, you know the story. And then we finished the day signing Rubinho. So who at the was, time was, was one of the world's best players, wasn't he? Yeah, there was yeah. no. It was a completely different scenario in a way to what you're going through, where you're, you're literally waking up every morning and go, "Please, can we get some news?" <laughs> yeah. And it hadn't actually officially gone through. It was like the 23rd of September that our owners actually took over. But I don't remember there being any doubt about it. Basically, on transfer deadline day, as far as we were concerned. We'd been taken over, and all the talk was that they were richer than everyone else in the Premier League's owners put together. That's all people were talking about. Mm. Everything else came later. So after the takeover, that's when the story, when people started talking about who our owners were, and then we get defensive, and then we've had 12 years of what you're about to go through. There are a couple of slightly different things in that there's been this endless argument with City fans and journalists of us being state-owned. Now, you clearly will be, partly at least. Yeah. We're not. We're owned by an individual. That's what it says on Company's House. And that's part of an investment company called, you know, ADUG, which is Abu Dhabi something group. I don't know. And it's not owned by the state. But what journalists will argue is, well, it might officially not say that on Company's House or in the books, but they are essentially... We are essentially yeah. a state-owned club. So we've had that separate argument. You know, this is the front, basically, and they are there to do the bidding for Abu Dhabi or the UAE mm-hmm. as a whole. So it's there's more rabbit holes to go down with City, I think, and endless arguments. But, you know, essentially, I think the arguments would be pretty similar that you'll have in the coming yeah. weeks, years, decades, basically. Yeah, I mean, we had we did another podcast with a, a lad who's based out in the Middle East, and he said it's all just geopolitical. All of this that you know, with you know, um, your royal family and our royal family don't get on, um, yeah. and there's always they're always going to kick up a fuss because what he was saying is that the Saudis have never really got involved in football to a the level that they're going into now. They've never really bothered with TV rights as much because they just pirate it apparently. Yeah. Um, and they've never really bought football clubs other than the sort of uh, the Sheffield United guy who for, apparently he's just kind of gone rogue and done that. It's not really commissioned by the royal family or anything. Yeah. So what what should we expect as Newcastle fans if this goes through? Are we to be, I mean, we already feel slightly vilified for accepting these people as new owners. But, you know, we're not idiots. We know that there's going to be issues um, around the morality. If, but it's, it's like you say, you know, we're so desperate that, we just should celebrate the fact we're getting new owners, hopefully, and then deal with everything else later. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Just yeah. you're gonna go on a great ride. And it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> and if you don't like the owners, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So I mean, excuse the pun, it's not black and white. It's quite it's nuanced. So city as well. It's what we've had with I don't I don't have to name names, do I? Let's one journalist will immediately spring to mind. And it, and he's only been a problem for the last two years, really, where suddenly, basically, the bottom line is the more successful they are, the more flack you're going to get. So yeah. it will ramp up and up and up. And when you win something, then suddenly human rights becomes even more important. That's the bottom line. And Sutherland fans will suddenly become human rights 
activists. <laughs> yeah. They will suddenly have a huge interest in migrant workers' rights in the Middle East and all that sort of thing. And you just, you just have. I will just enjoy the ride. I mean, yeah, it's it's been very strange. It's been all I can say is because it gets me frustrated is just enjoy the football and don't go yeah. online and just walk away. It's taken me ten years to do it. <laughs> and well, I got frustrated, you know, when you've won the FA Cup and Miguel Delaney's piece is about the anti-competitiveness of football because it was 6-0. And I thought, United would never got a thing like this. Liverpool won't if they win the league for three years on the row. Run the Army's race in person at the Pentagon. Army 10-Miler general registration is now open. Go to army10miler.com to register today. General registration presented by General Dynamics. Register today at army10miler.com. So you're going to have to get used to being reported differently to the old status quo, the original top six, because there's this thought that organic growth is the only way to become successful in football and that United grew through organic growth, as did Liverpool, due to their histories and all that sort of thing. So you're just going to get bombarded with that. And there'll be different things. You know, we have the empty seats. I'm sure they'll think of something else to have a go at you about if... If the football, if they haven't got, a, if they can't have a go at the football, if you're playing well, there'll be something else as well. Yeah, I yeah, mean, so you've got to. Yeah. I mean, the problem is you can't ignore these people online. It's like I see it with Katie Hopkins. Uh, I'm not saying Miguel Delaney is as bad as Katie Hopkins, which of course he isn't. Uh, and I've enjoyed a lot of his writing in the past, but but yeah, well, people say to me, just ignore Katie Hopkins, should go away. But people can't ignore when people come out with comments they don't like. People will respond. Yeah, it's and hard people, to ignore people who fans. deliberately rile you up, isn't it? Yeah, when, that's exactly. the thing with Newcastle at the minute. We feel like we're being targeted, and we're, it's not for us to be suddenly the arbiters of morals when you know our own government is doing things with the Saudi government. So I don't know why all of a sudden football fans should concern themselves about who owns the club. I think your advice is perfect there, really. We should just enjoy the football. And obviously, if it gets to such a level where we're physically uncomfortable going to games because of who our owners are, then that's another issue in itself. But I think we just have to, like you say, enjoy the ride. I'm mm. still I'm still really confident it's going to happen. Um, it, it sounds like the Premier League just need to sign it off. And I don't know if it's just because there's no one in the building that it's taken so long, but I think yeah. it's just one of those things. It's just a process. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, I mean, a lot of the... I say it's nuanced. What some journalists would you would accuse you of is that, you know, not all football journalists, some certainly will just see it as it is. And you're entitled to, if you always had interest in human rights, you're entitled to have problems with this. It's You're allowed to have issues with your owners whilst continuing to support your team yeah, it shouldn't disqualify you from enjoying the football should it? no but you, that doesn't mean you're a, a, you're a saudi arabia's you know royal family supporter and that you're you're up the backsides and you love them and you agree with everything they do you can they're not mutually exclusive you know you can have reservations about your owners whilst accepting i'm a football fan i will continue there's nothing i could do about this i had no say in it it happened i'm going to enjoy it and I've always had the opinion. I have. I wrote a piece about this about two years ago. If you get taken over, I'll, I'll sling it on Twitter, uh, yeah. which sums all of this podcast up. Probably, if if Pep Guardiola's all right managing City, if Vincent Company, David Silva, and Sergio Aguero are all right playing for Manchester City under our ownership, then I'm all right supporting them like I always yeah. have. So. That's the bottom line for me. And what can you do about it? What if you have a big problem and you say, I don't want to go anymore? Well, 
nothing will happen. You'll just won't go and you won't enjoy the football. It's well, a cop out. It's, it's not a exclusive. Out, to, yeah, I know, but it's not exclusive to football, is it? You know, no. your favorite your favorite musicians will have issues with the past. Your favorite movie directors and actors won't be perfect. So maybe our favorite singer songwriter might be, you know, a massive racist. You just don't know, do you? You just no. have to enjoy, you know the the football or the art that they're putting out for you and then obviously if someone asks the question are you happy with this and obviously you say well yeah from a football sense but on the non-football sense yeah it's a bit ropey but we just have to work work through it um we're all hypocrites let's be honest we like you know you can we don't don't, the bizarre thing is that the journalists that look to football for more guidance it's always been dirty dodgy full of yeah, well, look at the people who run it. Look at FIFA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You for FIFA. Uh, yeah. Read no books about a tomboy of broken dreams about some dodgy stuff and you know like Harry Redknapp and all sorts. And there's always been things wrong. I fell in love with football in the eighties, and if you can do it, then you do it any time yeah. because well, that was a terrible decade for football. So I don't know, understand why they're looking. Why Newcastle? You have no greater obligation not to take on Saudi money when the country's already awash with it. It's as simple as that. And it's, re, you know, Middle Eastern money has rebuilt plenty of Manchester because our council is skint and doesn't have any money. And it's all over the place. It's It part owns Twitter, I think. It's part of Uber. Uh, it's, the money's already here, so another $260 million or $300 million is neither here nor there. Of course, yeah. I, I agree with you completely. I mean, that takes us on to the, the next point, really, um, which is not only the impact it's had on the club, but the wider community in Manchester. Um, we It's often said about Newcastle that the success of the club is the success of the city as well, and that's certainly the case, even if it's just on a sort of emotional level, everyone just feels better. Um, is, has the takeover of Man City had a wider impact on the community? Yeah, I mean, the area... I mean, it's a long, basically, it's a long-running story that area, really, because the key point was Manchester used to keep going for the Olympics, uh, <laughs> which obviously sounds ridiculous. Uh, and I think in 2000, we actually, the Manchester Evening News with PR campaign, I actually thought we were going to get it, but we didn't. But they built the we got the Commonwealth Games instead, yeah. uh, and that's where the stadium was built for the 2003 Commonwealth Games or two 2002, sorry, uh, and it only had two tiers the City of Manchester Stadium in those days. So when City took it over, they just dug down and put another tier in. But that that area... So there was already a bit of regeneration because of the Commonwealth, because there was a cycling centre there, uh, and there was a, a mini stadium as well. Uh, but it was it's not, you know, it's a poor area of Manchester, and it's been utterly regenerated since. And tons of money has gone into housing, and, you know, within the centre as well. Now, they're not a charity case, I mean, I'm not up the backsides, I'm sure they've done it to make money, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the fact is, the council, there's been no money there. We a lot of northern cities, <laughs> there's just no money. Uh, so the effect it's had on the city has been immense uh, at a time when it was most needed in a, you know, a city that's really regenerated itself since, well, basically since the IRA planted a bomb there in 96. So. <laughs> yeah. But their money, you know, that money, well, the EU's put a lot of money in too, but that's a separate argument. Yeah. Uh, we've needed this money, yeah. And I'll say, I'm sure they'll make money out of it, and it's an investment, so not doing it as a charity. But the thing about our owners is, you know, about how they govern back in United Arab Emirates, none of that's been projected onto the club. 
So the club have been very, you know, they've, they've pushed pride and gay rights and the rainbow laces and whatever. It's run as an English club. It's not run, you know, which would be a problem if they ran it as if it was in their home country. So the effect on the region has all been positive. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of things I could criticise the club for, little things down the years. But overall, I can't really criticise about the journey we've been on. So. No, that's good to hear. I mean, the... Our buyers are part of a, a wider group and one of the other lot buying us is the Rubin brothers and they're yeah. obviously filthy rich in their own right but apparently they have property investments in Newcastle anyway and they're looking to regenerate so that's the other thing that's exciting for us not you know not only the football side which um, hopefully is great but you know the fact that there might actually be an owner who gives a shit yeah. <laughs> and actually invests in the community and invests in the training ground I don't know if you've ever seen Newcastle's training ground photos but we're still using paddling pools and wheelie oh, bins full of ice water it's abysmal yeah, um, well, Rafa, Rafa gave him all, gave Ashley all of these wonderful schematics for um, new training ground, new academy, blah blah blah, and he basically just said, "Oh, that's nice," and all he did was paint the walls. <laughs> yeah, I think the first thing at the takeover, because the bizarre thing is, we signed Pablo Zabaleta, we signed Sean Mike Phillips and Vincent Company just weeks before the takeover, so they were pre-takeover. Oh, but he, the Vincent Company, came in and said, "You know, there was no doors on the toilets and stuff like that." It was just, <laughs> Jesus. And the first thing they did, I think, our owners, was this when Carrington in those days was just they ripped the whole gym out and just built apparently like a two million pound gym. Yeah, you know, they don't mess about basically. Now it's it's easy to be to do stuff like this when you've got money, mm-hmm. but they don't mess about. That's the key thing. They'll be getting down to business very quickly about all aspects of that club because that I know they'll just look at it, you know, after the Mike Ashley years and just be probably horrified as ours were at what a ramshackle operation it will appear yeah. to be well i think the, i think they already know because <laughs> yeah I, I think amanda stavely who's the one who's kind of brokering it all she's been after us for ages and i think she knows the state we're in but she knows that there's obviously a lot of potential there which is exciting uh, m- moving back to the, the football side of it was there immediate success at city or was it a bit of a transition was it hard to move on from having those sort of gritty players to suddenly having galactico type players uh, yeah, oh no, there's many phases to it. So we got Rubinho in, and to be honest, I didn't, it's like a fish out of water in a way. You know, he, I think he scored on his debut a brilliant free kick against Chelsea, but Chelsea then just ran us ragged, you know, at our ground. So you had a quick, coming down to earth very quickly, basically. it's The phases City went through is, obviously they had to get players in, but they couldn't just go out and get the best players in the world because no money can do that. So they overplayed for a few players. For, you know, the likes of Adebayor mm-hmm. came in and he had to throw money at him and he did a job. But then well, he Carlos... was worth it just for that Arsenal goal, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. we've discussed That's today on a comedy podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not one to hold a grudge was Emmanuel. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, so you get... I mean, Craig, yeah, Craig Bellamy, players like that, were useful players, but we had Joe and Roque Santa Cruz and Sean Mike Phillips wasn't the same uh, in his second spell. Uh so you had to get the players in on too much wages. Then Carlos Tevez came. And then the key was, I think you could then, once you've got a better squad, you can then move on to the next phase, which is don't throw money at it. Just now you're an attraction to to you know, to uh, certain to top players now. So we got basically Yaya Torre and David Silva together. So as soon as they... A couple of signings then, yeah, it? so once they've been signed, you've arrived then. 
So it will be phased and there'll be key signings you make that suddenly other players around Europe will go, well, if he's playing for Newcastle, I'm going to play for them. But some, yeah, a different world again now, you know, 12 years, some, you might get big names now because they want that challenge to be part of the start of something great. Mm. You know, it depends who's out there, who's unhappy. You're I mean, almost relying when, on the first player to take the plunge, aren't you? And yeah, take exactly, the risk. Yeah. yeah. And we don't, I mean, we don't know when we're going to be playing football or what the market will be like, but if you could get that big name early, then that just is a domino effect really for other players. We, we are we are owners. Um, were they sort of expecting immediate success because our our potential new owners are saying that they know it's going to be a gradual in, sort of increase in the standard? We are on. Do you ever get worried that your owners were going to sort of make haphazard decisions because they won't get an immediate success? Yeah, they they came out with the same sort of things about it. You know, being here for the long run, being a well owner because you know it was just. It was the statement of one person in a way. So, uh, yeah, they said the same thing basically. It's when you know, I think Amanda Stavely did our take over bid as well. She so, did, yeah. yeah. She's got a finger in a lot of pies. Over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So not not just the ex ex girlfriend as Prince Andrew that everyone likes to. Yeah, I you know, didn't know that until recently. I didn't know like, that at all. It's crazy. But she was um, only like twelve at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they said they said all the same things as well. Long term, uh, we don't expect to meet. I mean, there was a story on the day Gary Cook came out with this our old CEO uh, that if we didn't sign someone on the day of the takeover, they were going to pull out. But that just sounds like absolute rubbish, to be honest. You wouldn't, you would never go you wouldn't get like to that. this stage and say, well, there's only 10 hours of a transfer window left. If you don't sign anyone today, and we'll have to wait three months instead to sign someone, we're pulling out of the whole deal. So You, you don't put a clause in the contract, do you, saying this no. deal is dependent on us signing Rubinio yeah. from AC Milan? <laughs> I mean, we try to sign everyone, from. yeah, a bit of, a yeah. of everyone. Um, no, they were patient. I think it's always been... An open secret in a way. They want that Champions League, I think, for. Yeah, I, I want you to get success. it well now. Yeah, but they've been a success in that respect. In City are obviously known around the globe, and that's what you know. And they're, they're buying other clubs; it's part of the group, so it's not the be all or end all of the Champions League. But I do think that at the back of their mind, that would be a big day, for, you know, for the owner for that to happen. So. Yeah, it's just the asterisk that's always going to be put next to this team, isn't it? They didn't quite do it in Europe. Same thing that they said with Arsenal with the Invincibles team. You know, yeah, they were great, but they never quite pushed it to that to that next level. I guess that's the only way your team could get better, really, success in Europe. Would you say? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, everyone's talking about the Premier League, and we've just won two one at the Bernabeu, and. Yeah, we might never finish the Champions League this season. So it's not as if it's not just about Liverpool missing out and the relegation places. I think, yeah, it is a missing thing. I mean, we'll try. Up. I think as a Newcastle fan, all your, all I wanted first of all, the key moment in our history, well, two weeks is when we beat United in the semi-final of the FA Cup at Wembley. Mm-hmm. All I wanted when it started was to get to Wembley because. I'd spent most of my childhood watching other teams go there and most of my adult life as well. So for me, winning the FA Cup was, you know, one of the biggest achievements for this club, irrelevant of what's followed since. And it's up the Premier League's always been more important than the Champions League because it's the bread and butter. And I never yeah. thought we'd be contenders. So uh can't really complain about yeah. What's oh been no, I'm not. Yeah, the last I'm, twelve years, but the Champions League, yeah, you need to get that monkey off your back. That or we, the club does, that they've never won that competition in a way. And I think it would just take a lot of pressure off and make. You know, they've had to learn the hard way in this competition. Uh, it's been a tough ride. Yeah. It's interesting you say that about the FA Cup because I think I'd be 
we're kind of talking a little bit about expectations. And I think that would be my first one would be just to see us get to a final or get to Wembley. I mean, we're nearly there now. That's another thing with this season. We're actually made it through to a quarter final of an FA Cup under Steve Bruce after scraping past Oxford and scraping past loads of other crap teams. But we've but, somehow done it. Yeah, and by the time you play us, by the time you play City in the FA Cup, yeah. you might have a better team than us. So. Exactly, who knows? <laughs> I mean, we were really looking forward to that game because, you know, you, you, we all saw the draw and we were like, oh, for fuck's sake, the run's over. But you think, do you know what? If you're going to win a cup, you beat a team like City. That's how you have to do it. Saturday so, night, yeah. yeah, so that was the other thing. But yeah, that would be my sort of immediate expectation. If we could get a really good cup run in the first proper yeah. season with these new owners and you can just get that belief again that you go, do you know what? We're actually a football club that I'm excited to watch on a Saturday now instead of worrying about our away trips to Bournemouth thinking we're not going to get a result. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just it's that's just the difference isn't it it's just a complete shift in in the mentality and the mindset really exactly, um, yeah I mean, with, it, was a, it was a turning point in obviously you know just the underdogs to united when we beat them at, at wembley and then went on to beat stoke in the final that was it i mean ferguson still had one title left in him but it felt like a big turning point mm-hmm. and since ferguson's retired united haven't finished above city in the league so little <laughs> moments like that i mean you're you know one club city that there won't be that rivalry thing but well our rivals be a team. are irrelevant now anyway so <laughs> 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 well i didn't like to say <laughs> oh we like to say it don't worry yeah i mean well it's interesting though because what you said at the outset from where we started on the sort of timeline at the start of this, how, you know, you were, you just won that playoff um, final and that's when Man United were winning the treble. And to, to look at where you've come now, it's crazy, really. I mean, it is a bit of a shame, really, that we might not really have that rivalry with Sunderland, but at the same time, I just don't really care about them at all. So, And, yeah. I mean, the derby recently has been crap for us anyway, so it would kind of be nice to have our rivals be a Man United again or a Liverpool again instead of it being, you know, scrapping around with Villa and Brighton down at the bottom. So yeah. we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, the key thing about last two years has not been the rivalry with United. It's just been the football, I get to say. The players, I mean, legends are just created, you know, I can't believe that you know Vincent Company and Pablo Zapoleta and Yaya Torre and David Silva and Sergio Aguero, you know, have all played for this. It's club. actually part of your history now, as opposed to them just being current players, which I think is quite an important step that yeah. we've, we've done from those players. But that's uh, another conversation in itself, I think, isn't it? When these players came, I thought if if Sergio Aguero stays for three years, I'd be over the moon. Mm. I remember David, his first goal for you. It was against Swansea, and he absolutely belted one in the top corner. I remember yeah. watching that and going, yeah. yeah, and thinking, right, he's the bees knees isn't he but anyway i could talk about aguero all day because he's mint <laughs> but, uh, um the only sort of other thing to kind of talk about really is any downsides to new owners um i hate to say it but one of the things that's often said about city fans is support and you know an influx of new fans who potentially weren't fans before um that must obviously be frustrating because you're obviously you know selling out main road before the new stadium and everything like that but has that been the main downside would you say this perception of city fans no, not in the slightest. No, I don't think we've even taken on that many new supporters. Yeah. Uh, now you see him on. I mean, it's bizarre that you know people accuse us of we all used to be. I mean, this is the level of banter you're going to be part of now. Is that there's this running joke that all City fans were Chelsea fans until 2008. <laughs> I mean, it's just whilst at the same time, promote te- you know taking the piss out of us for empty seats at the ground. So it's like. Well, hang on, what is Perfect. it? You're saying we're all glory hunters that are suddenly new fans, but we're also not selling the ground out. It's a complete contradiction. So we've not we've not seen a huge influx. I think it will come with 
in the next probably few years. Probably that first European trophy will probably help. No, well, yes, it will. But yeah. it was, I see them on Champions League nights because a lot of City fans will just get a season ticket, do away matches, but they don't. They have this hatred of the Champions League, which I'm sure would go if we actually won it. But we don't always sell out as well midweek games anyway. Uh, now you see, yeah, you will see more touristy element for Champions League games. But league games, to be honest, where I sit, it's the same people around me as ever. So I don't know. I don't move around the ground. Uh, but I think what will make a difference is that kids have started to point. You know, the playgrounds play wearing city kits. Yeah. But you won't see that until 10 years, until after it started. So I think children becoming adults will make our fan base rise now because they're not all wanting to be United fans when they grow up, you know. Or And now City shirts are, you know, dominating or at least have their own 50-50 split in the playgrounds around Manchester and there. So mm. I think the fans will pick up with time, but it's not an instant thing. I don't... I mean, it would be different for you, obviously, because you you would have sold the ground out anyway. Uh, but, of course, Main Road was only 34,000. It wasn't always sold out like most. Most grounds weren't sold out pre-Premier League days. Uh, and, of course, it's 55,000 now, so there's an extra 20,000 there. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's weird. that I don't, A lot of City fans are actually complaining that modern football is too sterile and it's too expensive. Uh and don't you know we we have lost some fans during this ride. It's not mm. it's not everyone's just fully embraced it. It's because uh, modern football can be a bit disheartening as well. But to be honest, I won't worry about that right now because well, because no, that's it. Well, you've I mean, got I'm, to worry I'm nitpicking about a little is, bit. Yeah, what yeah we can get back onto the bit. Mbappe conversation if you want. That's probably <laughs> better, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, I mean, I was just interested to see from a City point of view because. We're looking at it from it with the Newcastle lens. You think bloody hell, I would love to just have that. Someone just comes in and goes, right, here's a load of money, here's the league, and I don't have a problem with people quote unquote buying the league because the Leicester season just proved that you know football is still about the football. It's not just about money. And obviously the the pitch has changed quite a lot in the last ten years, but I don't think you can argue that football's completely gone. I mean, I still see things, especially in the Champions League, where you know you put in a good tackle and because you've sort of clipped the shoelace on the way through with the ball, yeah. it's a foul. Things like that, but you know that's just the way it is, isn't it? Things change, um, but I think on the whole, I mean, the advice in relation to what you're saying there about fans is probably the same as it was with the the moral side of it. Is just enjoy it, try not to worry about the downsides of it too much. Don't just don't argue with anyone on Twitter. Just yeah, honestly, I mean that's yeah. We've had I said City would win the FA Cup, but I mean we won the domestic treble, which has never been done before. Mm-hmm. unprecedented and Paul Wilson in the Guardian called it a bittersweet treble but the, the bottom line is if someone like Barry Glendening or Paul Wilson are perfectly entitled to an opinion they're not super important people that you have to get upset about if they say something about your club or not someone you have to converse with more than any other person on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, just you honestly it's, it's, it's not easy but just, just just enjoy the ride. <laughs> just to put that in Latin on your club crest. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's exciting times. I'm looking forward to there being another sort of footballing powerhouse potentially and the fact that that's us is just crazy, isn't it? I'm looking it forward does. to going to Man City and Aguero not smashing four or five passes every time <laughs> like he always does. Um, uh, he might still do that, to be fair. But, uh, well, if he's all right, he won't be around for much longer. You'd be glad to know. So, But oh. I'm just, I'm excited that it's the, it's the, I don't know. United, it's, there's nothing organic about what they've done whatsoever. 
I'm about to say it as a City fan, they used to buy leagues because they bought the best players because they were powerful, because they had bigger crowds. Mm-hmm. They could just bully. They were the playground bullies. And when someone like Newcastle get taken over, this is just brilliant. The FFP was only brought in to stop things like this. Now, it might slow you down a bit, or maybe the coronavirus will mean you see the end of FFP. Mm-hmm. But these Champions League, everything, everything is set up, FFP, all brought in to protect the likes of United, Liverpool, and the old the yeah. old money. Every time something like this happens, even if it costs City trophies in the future, I'm absolutely overjoyed about it because because I know Edward Wood, the Glazers and the American you know, I know they hate hate this. I and guess from a City fan point of view, it's just one more team going to finish above Man United, isn't it? So. Yeah, you might take the flack. You've taken the flack off us for a few weeks as well, so yeah. long may it continue. No one's discussing City's human rights at the moment. But no, as I say, right. as soon as you start winning games, then it'll be the more news stories will start coming out all the time. So you've just got to learn to cope with that. Be confident in yourself about how you feel. You can have an uneasiness with the owners whilst fully supporting your team and cheering them on, and that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, I think that rounds it up quite well. Um, just as a final point, what advice would you give those Newcastle fans looking to the future with these new owners? <laughs> oh, just the same. Just enjoy the football because it's a chance. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this paid your dues type thing because there's so many football fans that have never seen any success. Yeah, um, not special in guess- that regard. Yeah, I think of Rochdale. You know, that have, <laughs> I don't think they've changed division more than once or twice in 50 years. So, yeah, there's a lot of fans that deserve better have gone week in, week out and never seen anything. But, you know, if you are going to use that argument, then obviously you're prime candidates to use that argument. Uh, just, yeah, just go back to enjoy their ride. Just enjoy that transfer speculation. Enjoy the football. And, yeah, it just... Think about just think about when we were taking. I was taken over. I was taken over. I wish <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could do with a bit of their money. But yeah. <laughs> City were taken over, and I'd been to Wembley once to see a third-tier playoff final, and I missed our other visit, which was the full members' cup final of 1986, <laughs> as I think it was my auntie's birthday that day. Uh, just think that 12 years later, I've been. I've seen four league titles. Two FA Cups, five League Cups, I think, and I've been to Wembley 16 times, and my team's finished above United seven years on the row. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that might be the sort of thing you'll be saying on the podcast in 12 years' time. So don't let anyone ruin that enjoyment of the ride you're about to go on, basically. No, I think uh, I think enjoy the ride is a good tagline for this podcast. To be honest, um, <laughs> yeah, that's. Very kind words that you're saying there. It's good to know that fans of other clubs are excited for us as well and that everyone's not just going to despise us. Um, it's going to be some some new fans potentially. But um, yeah, it's, that, that probably about does it. I don't think there's anything more we can say really unless you've got anything else to add before we go. Oh, just I'm quite jealous. So <laughs> good luck. You've had your turn. You've had your turn. Yeah, we've had our time in the sun. So yeah. yeah. No, thanks very much, um, Howard, for coming on. Um, and hopefully we'll meet in the uh, FA Cup quarter final. We'll see you then. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. See you later.
Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.